Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by, by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. Go to the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be, as we always do on Monday, we'll be talking about current global events. We'll be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries, Father Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. It is March the 29th, and on this day in 1973, two months after signing the Vietnam Peace Agreement, the last U.S. combat troops left South Vietnam as Hanoi freed the remaining American prisoners of war held in North Vietnam. America's direct eight-year intervention in the Vietnam War was at an end. In Saigon, some 7,000 U.S. Department of Defense civilian employees remained behind to aid South Vietnam in conducting what looked to be a fierce and ongoing war with communist North Vietnam. In 1961, after two decades of indirect military aid, U.S. President John F. Kennedy sent the first large force of U.S. military personnel to Vietnam to bolster the ineffectual autocratic regime of South Vietnam against the communist North. Three years later, with the South Vietnamese government crumbling, President Lyndon Baines Johnson ordered a limited bombing raids on North Vietnam, and Congress authorized the use of U.S. troops. And by 1965, North Vietnamese offensives left President Johnson with two choices, escalate U.S. involvement or withdraw. Johnson ordered the former, and troops left uh, soon jumped to more than 300,000 as U.S. Air Forces commenced the largest bombing campaign in history, during the next few years, the extended length of the war, the high number of U.S. casualties, and the exposure of U.S. involvement in war crimes, such as the massacre at My Lai, helped turn many in the United States against the Vietnam War. The communist Tet Offensive of 1968 crushed U.S. hopes of an imminent end to the conflict and galvanized U.S. opposition to the war. In response, Johnson announced in March 1968 that he would not seek re-election, citing what he perceived to be his responsibility in creating a perilous national division over Vietnam. He also authorized the beginning of peace talks. In the spring of 1969, as protests against the war escalated in the United States, U.S. troop strength in the war-torn country reached its peak at 550,000 troops. Richard Nixon, the new president, began U.S. troop withdrawal and Vietnamization of the war effort that year, but he intent intensified bombing large U.S. troops withdrawals continued in the early 1970s as President Nixon expanded air and ground operations into Cambodia and Laos in an attempt to block enemy supply routes along Vietnam borders. This expansion of the war, with accomplished few positive results, led to new waves of protests in the United States and elsewhere. Finally, in January 1973, uh, representatives of the United States, North Vietnam, and South Vietnam, and the Viet Cong signed a peace agreement in Paris, ending the direct U.S. military involvement in the Vietnam War. Its key provisions included a ceasefire through Vietnam, uh, the withdrawal of U.S. forces, the release of prisoners of war, and the reunification of North and South Vietnam through peaceful means. The South Vietnamese government was to remain in place until new elections were to be held and North Vietnamese forces in the South were to not advance further, nor to be reinforced. In reality, however, the agreement was little more than a face-saving gesture by the U.S. government. Even before the last American troops departed on March 29th, the communists violated the ceasefire, and the, by early 1974, full-scale war had resumed. At the end of 1974, South Vietnamese authorities reported that 80,000 of their soldiers and civilians had been killed in fighting during the year, making it the most costly of the Vietnam War. 
On March, on April the 30th, 1975, the last few Americans still in South Vietnam were airlifted out of the country as Saigon fell to the communist forces. North uh, Vietnamese Colonel Boy Tin, accepting the surrender of South Vietnam later in the year, remarked, You have nothing to fear between the Vietnamese. There are no victors and no vanquished. Only the Americans have been defeated, he said. The Vietnam War was the longest and most unpopular foreign war in U.S. history, costing 58,000 American lives. As many as 2 million Vietnamese soldiers and civilians were killed. What a shame. Looking back, uh, what was the purpose? What was, what was uh, gained by the conflict? It was mainly the fear, of course, of the spread of the communist uh, regime in North Vietnam and South Vietnam. <clears throat> what an illusion, really. Well, the uh, Florida Department of Health reported 113 new cases of COVID-19 in Cuyahoga County and no additional less on Saturday and only 62 more cases on Sunday. There were 41 COVID-related hospitalizations on March 24, so it looks like COVID is really uh, dissipating here in Cuyahoga County. Let's just hope so. Florida uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is calling for the federal government to clear the way for cruise ships to start sailing again by this summer. His comments came during a meeting with industry leaders at Port uh, Canaveral in central Florida, according to South Florida Sentinel. I want to see these ships sailing, he said. It it would be great to have a comeback for a lot of people who work in this industry. The industry officials claim inaction by the federal government is keeping thousands of workers unemployed and hurting the Florida economy. Uh, The Sentinel noted that the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has lifted a no-sale order back in October. However, cruise lines are still waiting for technical guidance so they can start the test voyage needed to completely resume operations. So DeSantis, again, making great decisions in terms of supporting business in Florida. And uh, hopefully we'll get this going uh, to uh, get uh, ships sailing again out of Port Canaveral, Port Lauderdale, Miami, and other ports in the United in uh, Florida. Well, White House aide uh, advisor Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, is now warning that children must wear masks to play together if the shutdowns haven't already been hard enough for our kids. The controversial figure told Margaret Brennan during an interview with Face the Nation that when the children go out in the community, you want them to continue to wear masks when they are interacting with groups or multiple households. The children can clearly wind up getting infected, he said. When asked if this will be okay for kids to go to summer camps and playgrounds this summer, Fauci said it was conceivable that it would be possible. We now have three to three and a half million vaccinations each day. If we keep this up at this pace, invariably is going to be uh, drive the rate and in infection levels per day to a much, much lower level, Fauci said. Unbelievable. He's already still suggesting that kids should wear masks during summer activities. This guy should be uh, taken off the stage. I realize that he's a Democrat and votes and supports uh, Biden, but uh, his advice, I think, is not based on science. Well, the White House is working on a COVID-19 vaccine passport initiative that could be required for travel, sporting events, and even eating out, reports the Washington Post. The report comes as major U.S. airlines and and nearly 30 travel and labor groups are pushing President Biden to develop a standardized, government-backed credential to accelerate safe economic activity and recovery. The U.S. must be a leader in this development, the group wrote in a letter to uh, the recovery team coordinator Jeff Zentz on Monday. The current divisive and fragmented digital health credentials used to implement different countries' air travel and requirement risk causes confusion, reducing compliance, and increasing fraud. Since the Department of Health and Human Services are leading the effort, according to the sources who spoke with the Post, the White House declined to answer questions about the initiative and instead directed the news outlet uh, to public statements made by Zentz and other officials on the topic. Can you imagine that? Everybody would have to have some sort of a credential in order to dine out, for example. This is ridiculous. And hopefully, 
uh, we will have some resistance from our governor, DeSantis. Uh, there's no role. We should certainly, if we can't have, if we can't have proof that you're, you're a citizen to vote, you certainly don't have to have proof that you've had a vaccine. Vaccine, And uh, many people think the vaccines are not safe in the first place. So uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. The segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we'll visit with Larry Reed, the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com, great for kids of all ages, including you and I, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Well, thank you, Mark. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about global events, current global events, uh, now for well over a decade. And uh, let's just start off with a quick update on what's happening with uh, COVID around the world. Okay, so COVID around the world, we have a a number of different places to look at. First of all, Europe seems to be in difficulty at the moment. The vaccination program has not gone quickly at all. It's been delayed by bureaucracy. It's been delayed by anti-vaxxers. It's been delayed by the fact they didn't purchase enough initially. And so they are currently experiencing a a breakout uh, because the British variant has spread all over Europe at this point. And because they're so far behind in vaccinations, the, the big race in the world is vaccinations versus the variants. And they seem to be losing the battle right now. And mm. the number of people in, because uh, the new variant is also more deadly, the number of people in, in intensive care units in places like uh, France and Spain and other places is, is very, very high. 
as opposed to Great Britain, which has rolled out the vaccines pretty efficiently and has reached a higher percentage of the high percentage of the population, and they're doing much better. So Europe is really suffering because of it at the moment. Here in Israel, where I am, uh, we're down to a couple of hundred cases a day. Um, everything is open pretty much, and we're at about 80% vaccination of the adult population at this point. That's great. Um, there are no, I mean, there are some anti-vaxxers, but it's really a, a really outliers to say the very least at yeah. this point. The only issue is, of course, the kids, because kids represent a high percentage of the population, and that will have to wait for Pfizer and the others to, to do the tests on kids. The U.S. is in a mixed situation. The numbers have gone up the last um, last week. Mm. Um, deaths and hospitalizations have not. That's primarily because of the vaccinations and the fact that at this point, a substantial portion of um, older adults in the United States have now been vaccinated. So by doing that, you eliminate most of the of the certainly most of the deaths and a high percentage of the vac- of the hospitalizations. So while cases have gone up almost 8% in the past week because of all the openings and people are sort of laying, letting go, uh, hospitalizations and deaths have not. So if that can continue, then things you know be okay, although people still need to be careful. Yeah. I'm not sure why I understand all these people are traveling at this point, numbers in the millions. Yeah, um, traveling, traveling I, 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 would be, I would be holding off at least, if I'm not, if I'm not vaccinated, even vaccinated people, I would I would be a little bit more skeptical unless I've had you know if I have to go to a funeral or an urgent business meeting I understand but generally going on vacations or whatever I would I would hold off for another month or two until higher yeah. percentage of Americans are vaccinated so but everyone makes their own decisions I understand that uh, there's a low uh, incidence of uh, the virus in uh, parts of Africa yes there, well parts of Africa again no one really knows why I mean. Uh, part of the reason seems to be, of course, there's less communications, less interaction, and it didn't spread as rapidly. They also, um, public health, as strange as it seems, in some ways is better because they dealt with Ebola. Um, some countries it's worse, we just don't know about it. Um, the situation also in India is fairly bad, but in, but further further to the east, of course, you know, we know that um, Vietnam, Cambodia, Australia, New Zealand, China, of course, at this point, Japan have done... And South Korea have done, and Taiwan has done the best. Have done really very well. Mm, interesting. Um, so it's really very low. You know, it's, it's location depending on how countries reacted on one hand, and at this point, it's depending on how what percentage of the population is being vaccinated. So we'll just so, uh, we'll watch. We're, and we're, see. we're turning the corner. We're coming to the, you know, if people keep on being vaccinated, we don't end up with too many anti-vaxxers. Um, we should America and most of the world should be okay within another six months. So let's uh, I, let's see. You mentioned you're in Israel right now, in Tel Aviv, and we had more elections. Uh, it looks like uh, again the the Netanyahu won the election, but can't pull together a coalition apparently. So well, he didn't win the election; he lost the election. Oh, he did. Uh, okay. But he, I mean, there's no way to define that. You know, winning and losing is really a question of of can you you know can you get a majority to form a coalition? There's no other. There's no. There's no. It's not a direct election. So understand I see. the parliamentary democracy. It's really a question of. Uh, of you know putting together parliament, more more people voted for parties that said they would not sit with Netanyahu than voted for the opposite. Mm. So you would say that he lost the election. Got it. Um, but it's unclear what's going to happen. This is the fourth election, the fourth election in a row. We basically lost the election, um, but you know he's holding on because his trial begins is the evidentiary part of the trial begins next week. So it's not at all clear what's going to happen, whether be in, whether they can pull off, whether the alternative people can pull off a government, um, whether he can get someone to cross over or enough people. He had, didn't succeed the last three times. Well, he did in terms of getting guns, getting the defense minister and that whole crazy thing that didn't work. Um, so we'll have to see. No one trusts him, so it's a very it's very hard for him to come to make any deals because he doesn't keep his deals. So no one really trusts to to make a deal with him this time around. Hmm. So, you don't sound like a Netanyahu well, fan. No, I don't know of anyone who's a Netanyahu fan, to be honest with you, hmm. in this country at the moment. Um, only people who are, you know, who love him to death because of whatever reasons. But in terms of, look, 
Let's look at it a different. Let's look at it a different way. Forget whether he's a great prime minister or a terrible prime minister. Whether you agree with his policies or don't agree with his policies, mm-hmm. um, as we've discussed relating to the United States, fifteen years is just long enough. Right. You don't. You don't want anybody. And this goes anywhere in the world. You don't want anyone in power for too long, because in any country, wherever it is, when you're in power for too long, you begin to have a difficulty in separating out the interests of the country and your own personal interests. They become fused into one. Right. This doesn't make a difference where it is. And that's a great um, point, very important point. Uh, so it makes a great case for uh, term limits around all kinds of things, but you're right. right. Well, there, there clearly needs to be term limits on an executive level. I'm not I'm not positive on a legislative level, Yeah. Because um, and, and part of the issue is you know we have to balance the need for people with experience and the need to do what I just said. Yeah. But I don't think any chief executive, look, the United States learned that even under what was considered a great president, FDR, that immediately when he, you know, after he left office because he died, um, we passed the amendment that limited the fact to two terms. Right. Even in the United States, we realized that that just doesn't work. Right. It's just not healthy for any right. democracy to have a mayor for more than eight years, to have, you know, president for more than eight years, whatever it may be, eight years is enough. You have enough experience, um, and I think it's important. I'm not sure I would say I would want to limit the congressman to you know, I, I quite, agree. quite that much. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the, the problem with limiting congressmen is that uh, you, you end up with an administrative state run by bureaucrats because... The- you have neophytes coming in all the time, and so it would be the bureaucrats that are established there that would end up uh, leading the the uh, policy decision making. So, I, you know, I would I would put it up in a much larger number. You know, maybe sixteen years, let's say, mm-hmm. or something for Congress, whether it's the House or even the Senate. Uh, three terms for the Senate. Uh, I don't know whatever it is. Sixteen years would be um, would be eight terms for the House. Some, you know, a substantial number, so you have people who have experience, etc. But don't get too. You know, you have congressmen in the United States who've been in there for 20, 25, 30 years. Absolutely. That's just too long. Mark, you know what? We have some, so many other things to talk about. Can you stick around? Absolutely. Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I proudly served as board chairman for 15 years, and great things are happening. I hope you'll visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us uh, Mark Schulman. We'll continue the conversation about current global events. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Mark, uh, let's pick up with Myanmar. Uh, now, I guess the UN resolution, there's a possibility of a UN resolution to step in and uh, intervene when what's, what's going on here. But what, what are your thoughts? Well, look, you know, you have a case once again where the um, army is ready to kill its own people. They killed 100 people Saturday mm. who were demonstrating. 100 people were killed by the army. And, of course, you know, that's always the problem. Once the army is willing to kill its own people and the army seems to have convinced themselves that all these people are enemies of the state, mm-hmm. um, that um, we have a real problem and it's very hard to stop it. And it's always been the case. It's always nice to talk about supporting demonstrators, but when the army is willing to kill its own, yep. very, very difficult. And to, we're talking about children in some cases. Yep, absolutely. They don't seem to care. Yeah. Uh, and probably the, possi- the possibility of the UN in, in some way intervening, apparently, is, is pretty remote. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, the, the last time, the last intervention was really, the, you know, um, I guess in Libya. Um, and it was successful on one hand, and on the other hand, it left, of course, a mess in Libya. I mean, it hasn't straightened out to this day. Right. It stopped, um, it stopped Gaddafi from, from, uh, Annihilating a good part of his own population, which he was on the way to do, and he was going to try to, you know, capture Benghazi. But the U.S. and NATO intervention with, under UN um, approval stopped that. But then, what happened afterwards? You know, it's it's a real problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's let's move to. Uh, it looks like some sort of an agreement between China and Iran. Absolutely, very dangerous situation. Um, I mean, it was caused by the vacuum created by, of course, the. U.S. Uh, leaving the JCOPA, and so China stepped in. Uh, $40 billion agreement um, for China to invest in Iran in return for guaranteeing Iranian oil for China. So it strengthens, strengthens Iran, and of course, uh, to some extent, it'll strengthen China as well. Um, that's what happens when you step off the world stage and do things unilaterally, I'm afraid. And I'm not sure how we're going to come back from this. It makes the ability to keep up any sanctions very, very limited. Um, so, yeah. so I'm not really sure. It's a, it's a bad blow, let's put it that way, for those people who who want to find a way of limiting Iran's influence in the, and limiting Iran's nuclear power. Let's uh, move the to the, to get a nuclear bomb. the uh, relationship between the United States and, and uh, China. Well, look, the United States is, you know, under President Biden is, First of all, building up with its allies to try to confront China in a more unified way. Um, look, there, there's a question of what China actually wants, and um, clearly it wants to be recognized as a great power. Clearly, it wants economic spheres of influence. Um, hopefully, it doesn't really want Taiwan because that would be a red line that that could really cause cause war. Um, but you know the only way to confront China economically in every other way is to is to rally U.S. allies throughout the world the way we had previously, and have a unified front certainly economically against the Chinese. Um, we've lost four years, and, um, maybe we lost eight years or twelve years. It really depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, and um, but you know China, China is America's largest rival. Yeah. Does it have to be its enemy? Probably not, um, but it's going to require uh, a really good touch to figure out how to do that. Yeah, I mean, and, and China is investing around the world. I mean, their money is involved in the infrastructure in so many different countries right now, I mean, the, uh, which, of course, creates tentacles, obligations, and, of course, we understand the political tentacles that are, have been involved here in the United States as well, so... Uh, the problem is just not a uh, military confrontation, but there's it's, it's 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 just the intervention. I mean, the things that they're already doing that create so much power that they have in in countries around the world. Well, they're using their economic influence in order to, you know, and 
in order to integrate themselves and use their influence all over the world. You know, the United States has pulled a little bit back from that, especially because of all the anti-foreign aid uh, sense in the United States these last 20 years, so to speak, and people don't realize it. You know, it's a very, it's a very, very small amount of American U.S. budget. You ask people how much, what percentage of the U.S. budget goes to foreign aid, and people usually get to twenty, thirty percent, and it's less than one percent. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those. You know, it's popular to to be against foreign aid. Let's take care of our own people first. But you know, it, it doesn't work so simply because America's economic success is somewhat dependent on America's influence all over the world, keeping tariffs low, making trade agreements, all those sort of things. And those are influenced by you know some of the money you spent. Yeah. What so about open? What about keep? What about keeping the uh, bases, the military bases, open across the world? I'm talking about the U.S. That's bases. also part of it. And there's no question about that. Uh, keeping the American bases gives America the ability to project power, um, and I think it's an important factor. I don't think we can easily say, well, you know, we can bring all the people home because we have no conflicts. That's just not the case anymore. On the other hand, let's keep in mind. We make a mistake when we try to compare China to the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union had an underlying ideology of communism mm-hmm. and the idea of world revolution that, that was behind its actions to a very large extent. And Chinese don't have that. I mean, they, we call them communists, but they're only communists in name only. They're, they're a klepto-capitalist uh, society with government control, to, you know, or strong government control. But they have no communist ideology that they want communism to win all over the world. You know, that would not work for them mm-hmm. economically. So it's not the same. It's not the same as the Soviet Union. When we got into the Cold War that the Soviets were trying to, to foster revolutions in Italy and Greece and possibly in France as well. And that's where the Cold War be, you know, began. And, of course, you know, holding on to Poland and Eastern Europe. The Chinese are not the same. They don't have that ideology that's driving them. No. They just want to succeed economically, and they want to have as strong an influence as they can without any, you know, they're not interested in making South America uh, Chinese colonies or anything like that. Well, I mean, they, so we they, they, a, they covet Taiwan. They, they covet the... Uh, well, Taiwan they covet, and we, we, have to show, no, we shouldn't allow them to have it, but we should understand why they covet it. Yeah. In other words, Taiwan was part of China, and so they want it back, and they want it as part. We should understand that, but it's not the same as the Soviets that coveted turning Greece into a, a communist country. Right. That's a great and, distinction, and We need Mark. to hold that into proportion and understand that and act accordingly and, act and understand that, by and large, other than the issue of Taiwan and some related small areas, this is an economic fight, not a, not a military fight that should remain more than anything else an economic fight. And economic fights are, you know, are fought all sorts of different ways, including investing in advanced technologies, there are a lot of ways to fight an economic battle. Well, speaking, of, speaking of which, have we plugged the dike with regard to the theft of uh, intellectual property? Okay, so there are two parts to this. We've, we've, we've done a reasonable job of improving our situation vis-a-vis intellectual property in China legally. Mm-hmm. The issue of what China is taking illegally in terms of break-ins to our computer systems, and the same thing the Russians at the moment, we still don't even know the extent of that. And so that always has to be considered a, a major, major problem. And yeah. look, we need to understand the fact we live in a glass house when it comes to Internet and everything relating to, to our systems that are all dependent. And anything that can be on the Internet can be hacked. Right. Well, before I and let you, we need to understand that. Well, before I let you go, any, any comments at all about Russia? Again, look, Russia, look what's happening. Uh, Nevelov is, 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 seems to be in, in poor health. They're going to probably try to kill him Again. out in the gulag in one form or another. Right. Um, look, when President Biden called Putin a killer, he was right. Uh, they have no problem killing their adversaries. Putin wants to remain in power at all costs. And uh, right now, again, as long as you're willing to kill your adversaries, you can probably continue to be in power. His only problem is his economy is still not doing very well. Yeah. And if we can help their economy not to do so well for longer, it'll may make his, his control a little more problematic, let's put it that way. Right. So interesting. Again, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I strongly urge you to visit the website, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure, Bob. Have a great week, everybody. You, you as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed. 
Larry is the president of emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show as we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to uh, individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Hopefully when you're listening to the show, you realize we would, it's not only news but commentary, and hopefully the commentary aligns with, uh, with exactly that, individual liberty and personal responsibility uh, and the rule of law. Uh, by the way, uh, Larry Reed is not available. Uh, it's um, too bad. I, I, I guess uh, our, our topic today was to talk about Netta Snook. She's the woman who taught Amelia Earhart how to fly. And it's such an interesting story about how this woman uh, who was rejected, first of all, to pilot school so many times, as you can imagine, back in that day. Uh, but uh, she not only uh, ended up getting her pilot's license, but getting her own airplane that she bought. It was kind of junked up, and she repaired it, and she uh, she flew all of her life. Actually, she ended up uh, being eighty five years of age when she finally stopped flying. And uh, after she got her pilot's license, she taught Amelia Earhart again how to fly. And then, even though it was illegal, she did on the on the sly. She was actually teaching a flying in California, which was women weren't allowed to do that, but she did it. And uh, she was uh, among the best, apparently, in, in her day in terms of being a pilot. Again, her name was, uh, interesting enough, Netta Snook was her name. Interesting story. Sorry, sorry that uh, Larry wasn't here to talk about this. Uh, Larry is, uh, again, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and they provide great information for people who are high school and college age about, uh, well, it aligns perfectly with this show, about individual liberty freedom of personal responsibility, and limited government, and the rule of law. To find out more, I'd encourage you to visit fee.org. F-E-E.org is the website. Well, Tennessee became the third state to require student-athletes to become based on, to compete based on their biological sex. The state's Republican Governor Bill Lee signed the legislation into law on Friday, joining Mississippi and Arkansas in protecting girls' sports. I uh, would have liked to have seen the governor of uh, 
of uh, South Dakota step up and do this first, but perhaps she'll join in. I signed the bill to preserve women's athletics and ensure fair competition, Governor Lee posted on Twitter. This legislation responds to damaging federal policies that stand in opposition to the years of progress made by under Title IX, and I commend members of the General Assembly for their bipartisan work, he wrote. Naturally, the bill sparked outrage from the left, who claimed that the law is discriminatory. The ACLU has already threatened lawsuits if the law is enforced. Governor Lee's rush to discriminate against transgender children is appalling. Transgender people have the right to participate in sports consistent with who they are, just like everyone else, says the ACLU, denying their right to is pure discrimination. The ACLU stated, should any student be excluded because of their shameful legislation, we will see them in court, was their, their statement. Seems to me is a, a legitimate way to handle this would be just allow for transgender kids to compete on their own in their own events. That'd be a small field, I'm pretty sure, but nevertheless, I think that'd be a solution. In at least 21 states, they're seeking to protect girls' sports. However, as has been repeatedly proven that the biological differences between the two genders create an unfair playing field, these states are seeking to protect their students after Joe Biden pushed through an executive order saying transgender students must be allowed to play on whatever team they want unless the state law contradicts it. So hopefully the laws uh, are strong enough uh, in the states that they will, even if challenged by the ACLU or others, uh, that they'll stand up. I think the uh, governor of Florida has the same plans as well, but I was a little dis disappointed that the uh, governor of South Dakota decided to try to nuance this thing. And uh, I think she could have actually been stronger as a leader in this whole process. While well, as a massive wave of um, Biden migrants flood across the U.S. border, U.S. Border Patrol agents continue to arrest and identify hundreds of criminals, including rapists, gang members, and murderers. Of course, they're not sending their best. Over 861 criminals caught crossing the U.S. Rio Grande border, including 63 gang members, 92 sex offenders, and murderers. You can believe that. What's happening on the southern border is just atrocious. Ted Cruz, along with uh, several other senators, actually visited the border, took some pictures, uh, were confronted by an agent saying hey, they had no right to be there to, in, to, uh, to inspect this. But uh, my belief is that President Biden is saying, look, the American people aren't going to like this. It's too bad. We're going to do it anyhow. We need to let people come in here. Uh, it's going to... Uh, make it very difficult for low-wage earners in the United States to compete because these people will work for pennies on a dollar, unfortunately. And it's also spreading this uh, disease. Uh, of course, the vaccine, many of them, up to 10% apparently have uh, this, uh, the, the kids in the, in the, uh, in the uh, tents that, that are there, they're tents that are built for just a, a portion of the number of kids that are there, but many of them have COVID-19. It's just really a shame what's going on right now. My opinion, again, the president is fine all, with all this happening. He understands the American people don't like it, but uh, and he's going to allow it to happen for, I'm going to guess, for a couple years. Really too bad because everything that I watch to see this president do has nothing to do with making America great again or improving the American economy. It has to do with fulfilling an agenda of the commitments he made to be supported to become president of the United States. And so now he's going through the list, and he's simply checking off the items. Among these, of course, are opening the borders. And uh, what is happening right now is just really a shame. I'm uh, very, very uh, sorry to see this. But, the, you know, there's other things going on as well, as well as their relationship with China, uh, rejoining the uh, World Health Organization, and you can go down the list. It's uh, just really a shame. All right, coming up, we'll be visiting uh, with Jim McTagg. Uh, Jim is a uh, former Barron's Washington bureau chief. He retired a couple of years and started writing some murder mysteries, and they are really terrific. One of them is uh, Follow the Leader, and then the, the sequel to Follow the Leader is uh, Shake the Money Tree, which is such an interesting story as well. Anyhow, Jim is uh, right there on, on the, uh, in the Beltway, and we'll look forward to talk to Jim. We're going to do that as, and more right here on the Bob Harden Show 
on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hope you check out Choice Social. It's a brand new and refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. We have with us Jim McTagg. Jim is a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and as I mentioned, has written two great murder mysteries. One is Shake the Money Tree. Well, the first is uh, Follow the Leader, and its sequel is Shake the Money Tree. Both located in Washington, D.C. Both have a, a lot uh, of, uh, I'm going to say, history and culture of the Washington, D.C. area. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Bob. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it so much. So, uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Apparently now those, there's some pressure and some thoughts around having some sort of a vaccine passport. What are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, that's the lead story in today's Washington Post, which is really the Biden Post. You know, the Post has a direct pipeline apparently into the White House. But anyway, that's the height of hypocrisy. I mean, they would they're talking about a vaccine passport uh, so that everybody who is, has gotten vaccinated can travel freely and it, it would be uh, ironclad. It would be impossible to uh, counterfeit, for example. And yet the Democrats consistently oppose uh, voter IDs or citizenship cards. Now, I don't want to sound like a xenophobe, but I mean, we are being overrun uh, with uh, illegal immigrants from South America. And a citizen identity card would go a long way to an towards ensuring, for example, uh, the integrity of our elections. Uh, a citizen identity card would go a long way to holding employers responsible for the people they hire. Yeah. Uh, you know, right now, uh, it's a joke. Absolutely. Um, you know, but anybody who's had a home repair done has to wonder how many of the employees who, who generally are spam are legal immigrants as opposed to illegal immigrants. Uh, you make a so, great point. Absolutely a great point. However, this this whole notion of having a vaccine ID, to me, is unconstitutional and way beyond the the pale in terms of uh, the, uh, how we should run our country. I just that, that it you know the government the government has no business imposing those types of requirements on on uh, its citizens. I I agree with you. 
I, I, that's why I say it's, it's the height of hypocrisy mm-hmm. that they're going to go in for that totalitarian type card, uh, but they won't give us a voter ID card, which is, you know, uh, similar to a uh, driver's license. So, um, you, you know, the other thing about the Biden administration, I mean, he, he, he's getting hammered in the Washington Post, which I call the Biden Post, mm-hmm. because of the fiasco at the border. Right. It's really unusual that, that even before he's in office 100 days, he's getting beat up by a liberal newspaper. Um, you know, he, invite, he invited the uh, surge by, by rolling back immediately Trump's uh, presidential orders on immigration. But he's further exacerbating it uh, with his infrastructure plan before he fixes the border. And, and again, the reason is, uh, and I don't want to sound like a xenophobe, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I love our, our uh, Spanish-speaking um, our legal American citizens. I right. mean, it, it's just a, a fabulous, diligent workforce. They are really a plus to America. But, Absolutely. But the illegals who are, who are taking down wages from Americans and, and stealing jobs, um, you know, you go to any massive construction site and you you hardly hear a word of english right and again you have to wonder uh, because our employment laws are so loose how many of the employees are illegal so when president biden proposes you know a trillion dollar infrastructure plan that's an incentive for people south of the border to surge into the country right. because they know that uh, our contracting companies are going to hire you know uh, hire them, put the blinders on and hire them, pay them a little less than uh, other people. Uh, and it, it just, it's exacerbating the whole illegal immigrant problem. Well, and of course, they, these people all become voters too in the, in, in the upcoming elections as well. Uh, my personal belief is that the, the president has purposely done what he's done. He's He's uh, uh, negated the agreements that he had with South American countries and with uh, Central American countries and Mexico. And by doing so, he's, he's invited this surge. And as a consequence, we have all these people at the border. And we have people who are, <laughs> have COVID-19 and all kinds of problems right now. I think, quite frankly, just watching him, he could care less. He's saying, look, the American people don't like it. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm going to let it happen because that's what my supporters want. And even though it's not good for America, I'm not going to listen and I'm not going to respond. Yeah. Well, here's another interesting thing. I, I don't want to sound like I'm a salesman for the Washington Post, but it has become a must-read during the uh, Biden administration. Uh, the Post points out today that something like uh, 70 to 80 percent of the people working in the Biden administration are from the Obama administration, and that now they have a second chance to implement uh, mm-hmm. the Obama uh, blueprint blueprint for America, yeah. you know, under Biden, and that Biden wants to be even more aggressive than Obama. So we're talking about the uh, big government, socialized government. Absolutely. Um, I mean, what do you think about the idea? Some people think that it actually uh, behind the scenes that Obama's calling the shots. I would not be surprised. I would say he's he's not calling the shots, but I'm sure he's very influential. I think we'll learn at some point that the Joe Biden and Barack Obama are, are phone pals, uh, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, but having said that, I think uh, Biden is probably burnishing the Republican brand. I I thought the Republican brand was so badly tarnished that uh, the Republicans would be lucky to win uh, would would be lucky to win any election before 2030 or so uh, but I take that back <laughs> because I think uh, Biden's doing so much damage uh, that you know the Republicans are just um, you know hibernating right now and ready for a comeback and uh, the left is uh, scared to death of your governor by the way Ron DeSantis they're they're teeing him, him up as a uh, successor to uh, Donald Trump, yeah. yeah. Uh, now I think I think they really fear him. He's probably a, he's an attractive candidate, and and they probably want to uh, focus laser like on him and try to knock him off before he becomes a serious national threat. Yeah, he, I tell you, I saw him uh, uh, live. He was I'm on the board of the Foundation for 
uh, government accountability, and he gave a, a speech. He came to address us personally. Uh, his level of confidence and his self-assuredness is his message. He's so articulate. He is so strong. I mean, in terms of how he's developed in his first few years as governor, it's just, just been amazing to watch. He really is an outstanding candidate. Now he's being attacked because he the, they're suggesting that the wealthy uh, senior citizens in Florida are the ones that are getting vaccinated first. I mean, is this is this all they've got? <laughs> it's just unbelievable uh, that they, they, they're looking for ways to attack the, the governor. And you know what? The decisions he's made have been so sound and so smart for Floridians. That, and uh, we've just really, uh, quite frankly, I think done quite extremely well uh, considering everything that's going on in the country. Well, if, if you read the... Uh Press on politics that the governor's election, the upcoming governor's election in Florida, will be the most important election in the country. So, uh, and if you know they're they're sort of demanding that DeSantis win by a uh, significant margin uh, to be co to be considered, uh, you know, a national figure. And so, um, I think the Democrats will be pouring uh, millions and millions of dollars into Florida. To uh, you know, if they can't if they can't unseat the gover governor, they're going to do the best they can to smear the governor. So it should be an interesting uh, couple of years down the, your side of the country. Absolutely. Well, they you know they have uh, no candidate, in my opinion, right now to run against him, except for uh, I've forgotten her name now, but she is the uh, lieutenant governor, not lieutenant governor. Uh, the I've forgotten what title she has, but it's a, it, so she's in the Democrat Party and probably in the highest ranking member of the Democrat Party. Uh, but uh, as you can see, I, I can't even remember her name. That's what kind of an impact she's, <laughs> she's had. So, but nevertheless, I mean, I don't think there's a strong candidate to run against him. So I, I think he's going to have a pretty easy time of it. Yeah, and for me, you know, I don't focus on every governor in every state. Uh, uh, my impression of DeSantis is what I've read in the papers, that he, he was a contrarian when it came to uh, COVID. He did a stand-up job. He protected the uh, vulnerable people in nursing homes. So he, his record on COVID, in, and this is my impression from the news, is outstanding. Uh, and after a year of lockdown, I've come to the conclusion that the Dr. Fauci's of the world, the well-intentioned, were completely screwball with the uh, locking everybody down, and they did tremendous harm to individuals and the economy. Yeah. Uh, you know, that only history will be able to honestly uh, tell, yeah. uh, you know, tell about. Uh, do, and, do, do you think there was any science in when, when Dr. Fauci made his proclamations about what we should do? Do you think there was any science whatsoever behind his proclamations? I, I, I highly question it. Well, I think there was science behind what he said, and there was science behind what uh, Donald Trump said. The, the community science was like uh, Christianity. It was divided into multiple sects, and, mm -hmm. and uh, you had true believers in every corner. Yeah. So, so, um, so I think Fauci, uh, believe, you know, he, he wasn't deliberately misleading the public. His science said that a lockdown was the way to go. Other people's science said... Uh, you know, lock down the uh, uh, older people and let the younger people uh, go about their lives as, as usual, which, in retrospect, is is the correct way to go. Well, Would have been the correct way to go. Uh, the gov uh, Fauci now is suggesting that young people uh, should, uh, when they go out and play, should wear masks. <laughs> Five-year-olds, he's unbelievable, quite frankly. Jim McTaggart, an author of... Father the Leader and its sequel, very entertaining murder mysteries. Shake the Money Tree. I encourage you to get a copy and read them. They're just really fun reads. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, Bob. Enjoyed it. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow we'll have uh, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, will be joining us. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen will be with us, and my wife Linda also will provide some commentary on the show as well. I hope you make it a great... Oh, by the way, I always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.